good day and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it anchored firmly and strongly to the unshakable Word of God? Holding Fast is the podcast. Great to have you today. Looking forward to spending a little bit of time on Hymn History Friday. We're going to examine another one of those songs that we probably sung more times than we care to know. Uh, in fact, one of the great things that I really love about Christmas, uh, I don't know if you're one of those grouches that don't like to play Christmas music prior to Thanksgiving. I'll pray it, play it in June or July if I need to. Uh, it just brings back great, great memories and great nostalgia for me. And I know it does many other people. Uh, but I understand where people come from when they don't like listening to Christian uh, Christmas music before Thanksgiving. But uh, perhaps one day they'll get over that and they'll be able to live right. But I'm glad that you're here today. And we're going to be looking at a famous uh, hymn that I've sung so many times. You know how that is. You sing the hymns. Uh, so repetitively every year that sometimes they get stuck in your head and you can a lot of times recite the words without ever even thinking about what you're saying. And that's one of the problems with singing great Christmas hymns is that we sometimes have to deliver them from over familiarity so that we, we, we think about the message that's being, uh, being recorded there in the lyrics and we meditate on the truth of them. Uh, I know that recently we've been singing Christmas carols at our church, and if I'm not careful, my mind can go into park, and I can absentmindedly just think, uh, 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 just sing the words without thinking about what they're saying. Um, I just one of the songs that I that the song that I want to talk about today is uh, I look I look around recently at having sung this particular hymn in church. Hark the herald angels sing. And I just thought out of curiosity, let me watch people as they sing this. And as I observed the faces and the expressions of people that are sitting out there, you can tell who's really thinking about the words, the content of the song itself, and those that are simply mouthing it just because it's familiar, uh, so familiar to them. And I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong. It's just that I feel like we miss out on a great blessing when we, when we do so. I wonder, have you ever given pause to think about the lyrics of this famous hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Uh, many of the carols that we sing have rich theological teaching tradition. It's robust in its, in its teaching about God. And Hark the Herald Angels Sing is actually no exception. This particular song is over 280 years old right now. It was written by a man named Charles Wesley, who was an English Methodist preacher and a, and a hymn writer. In fact, uh, Charles Wesley wrote over 6,000 hymns, more than any other male writer that I'm familiar with. I know Fanny Crosby wrote over 8,000 hymns, but Charles Wesley, we have documented some 6,000 hymns. Some of them have retained their popularity and others have not. But this one, obviously has. It's my personal favorite Christmas carol, and I just enjoy it so much because it's helpful for me as a pastor when I'm teaching people scriptural truth. And in fact, that was one of the primary reasons for Charles Wesley writing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Uh, he sat down in 1739, and he uh, wrote this, and one of his goals in writing hymns, all of his hymns, but even this one in particular, was to teach the poor and the illiterate, those who were incapable of, of personally instructing themselves, 
He wanted to write hymns that would instruct the poor and illiterate in sound doctrine of the scripture. John Wesley, Charles' brother and founder of Methodism, said that Charles, his brother's hymnal, was the best theological book in existence besides the Bible. And so some people have noted that Methodism was born in song and Charles was the chief songwriter song, for, uh, for the movement. So Wesley, Charles Wesley, was inspired by the sounds of London church bells while he was walking to church on Christmas Day. And he actually sat down and wrote Hark, that was the name of the poem, about a year after his conversion, and it was to be read on Christmas Day. The poem first appeared in Hymns and Sacred Poems in 1739 with the opening line of, and we don't sing it this way anymore, but the opening line of Hark the Herald Angels Sing said, Hark how the welkin rings. The word welkin is an old English word that we don't use anymore. Uh, at least I've not heard anybody using it, but it welkin refers to the 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 dome or bell-shaped nature of the uh, of the um, uh, air above, of the atmosphere above the earth. And it's shaped like a bell and it rings and so on. And so, hark how the welkin, the heaven rings, literally is what it says. Well, in 1753, George Whitfield, George Whitefield, as he pronounced it, uh, a student, and he was actually an eventual colleague of Wesley's, adapted the poem into the song that we actually sing today. It was Whitefield who penned the phrase, Glory to the Newborn King. Well, uh, if you've never taken time to look at the theology behind Hark the Herald Angels Sing, I could literally teach a course through the theology that is listed out in those stanzas. The first stanza describes the, the good news of the Savior's birth. Uh, God has sent the one who will reconcile the sinner back to himself. And therefore, all the nations should rise and sing and proclaim the good news, which is Christ the King. That's what it says. Uh, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth. And mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. This is a gospel-saturated song that points people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and in doing so, teaches some very fundamental truths about who He is. The second stanza talks about Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. He talks about Him being late in time, behold Him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity pleased as man with men to dwell jesus our emmanuel there is so much theology in that stanza you could literally preach a series of sermons on that on that uh, on those stanzas and it's my desire as i know it is every man of god's desire is that we would put those lyrics into practice that we read and hark the herald angels sing you know, it's really this time of the year that our entire culture seems to kind of come to a screeching halt in what it's doing. And 
and in some way or means is compelled to really look toward the baby in a manger, a newborn king. Now, it's our obligation to help people understand as the messengers of the gospel that he's not just a newborn king anymore. He is actually forever the king of kings and lord of lords. The songs that a lot of Americans, Christian or not, have on their lips and in their heads during this season, I've watched people that are unsaved sing these songs. Folks, they're ripe for picking with a message of the gospel. So when you sing Christmas carols this year, take the time to think about the message. When you go to church and you sit in a worship service, think about what they mean and consider the words that you're singing, the truth that it really proclaims about the Savior that you're worshiping. As we do so, I would suggest to you we can all say what Wesley wrote, glory to the newborn king. Give him glory this Christmas. Sing of his praises. Sing of those theologically rich carols that give him the the value and the worth and the praise that he so richly deserves. God's most extravagant gift. God bless you. Walk with Christ and Merry Christmas.